I want to begin this morning and I want to talk for just a brief time about something that is in me. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me while we were away traveling for just before Christmas. And I didn't really know what to call it. I always have to give every message a title because in order to put it online for the live stream, it requires a title. It doesn't let you post it without one. So I simply put the search. I don't know if that is the best way to describe what this is or not, but this is, that's what I put. I titled it the search. And I want to ask you a question that you can see on the screen behind me. It says, is what you are searching for what Yahweh created you to find? That's the question. I'm going to ask it again. Is what you are searching for what Yahweh created you to find? When I say Yahweh, don't be uh, concerned about who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the living God. Yahweh is simply the Hebrew name that God gave Himself. Y-H-W-H, the Tetragrammaton. It is the Hebrew name He gave Himself. I'm talking about the God, the living God, the only living God. So if you came from a denominational church or you came from a background, you only say God, that's okay. God is who He is or what He is, Yahweh is who He is. And uh, so when I say Yahweh, I'm talking about the same God if you are talking about the Father of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the same God. So is what you are searching for, what Yahweh created you to find? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, and let me read this verse to you this morning. Uh, out of the English Standard Version, and it's a verse that all of you know, we've all probably memorized, most everybody has memorized, Um, you've heard it so many times, even if you didn't intentionally set yourself to memorize this verse, you've heard it enough that it has become fixed in your uh, inner man. Matthew 7, verse 7, the English Standard Version says this, it says, ask and it will be given to you, everybody say ask. Thank you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. Everybody say seek. Seek. Thank you. And you will find knock. Everybody say knock. Thank you. And it will be open to you. Let me read this again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you. So following this, I'm going to ask one more time the question that we started with. Is what you are searching for what the Father created you to find. We live in an interesting age. We live in an interesting season. Even in my lifetime, I'm 56 years old, and even in my lifetime, certainly in the time that I have known Christ, uh, I received Christ genuinely as my Savior when I was 20 years old. On July the 8th, 1985, uh, I received Christ into my life and made a determination and a commitment at that time, I am going to live a life that will honor Him. I didn't know what all of that entailed, and I didn't even say those words like that. I simply set out to discover who is this Christ, and who is this God, that I've heard so much about, seen so much of, in others' lives, but I've never known Him, personally. I've never really had that personal relationship where everything about me was to honor something that I don't, I'd heard about but was never part of my life. And today, during, since that time in 1985, on July the 8th, 1985, the perspective of a relationship with God has changed in our culture, in our society. Things have changed. In fact, when I first gave my heart to the Lord, and you guys will, many of you, certainly that are of my generation, 
or older, you will recognize this to be true. When I gave my heart to the Lord, when I accepted Christ in 1985, it was expected that you were going to be a part of some type of a denomination. It was expected of you. In fact, any church that was not a part of a denomination was um, taboo. If you, you, you were almost afraid to tell anybody that you went to a non-denominational church. That was not a good term. You would just tell somebody, you would use different words, independent, interfaith. Whatever words you would use, you would call it anything except for non-denominational. Because as soon as you said that, you were viewed as, oh, you are, you're those people. And so since that time, though, that has changed. In fact, denominations are falling apart and churches that call themselves non-denominational number have greater numbers than all denominations combined outside of the Catholic Church. So you see today that things have changed just in those years. How many years ago would that be? What is that? 30 years ago, roughly. That's not a lot of time that has passed and yet the dynamic of Christianity has changed significantly. Can we agree on that? What it looks like has changed significantly. So today, coming to the present, we live in an age that is desperately trying to eliminate anything that is of heavenly origin and purpose. Just in that time, when I first got saved, I'm reflecting back again to this past time just over 30 years ago. I'm reflecting back, or right at 30 years ago, I'm reflecting back to this time. During that season, it was normal when I got saved in the state of Texas, where I'm from, when I got saved in the state of Texas, they had this thing called the Blue Law. If you're not familiar with that, I don't know if Florida had that or not. But in Texas, it was called the Blue Law. If you wanted to buy groceries, if you wanted to buy anything, if you wanted to get something to drink, you wanted to go to the store, you better do it on Saturday because Sunday... It was a ghost town. Everything was closed down on Sunday in Texas. You, it, Texas was God's country. And on Sunday, it was the Sabbath, and they took it seriously. And then that began to change over time. And then they began to sell food. Grocery stores could open, but they couldn't sell liquor. They couldn't sell cigarettes. But they, could sell, they couldn't sell anything that was considered vile, or anti-Christ, but they could sell those things that were required to live on. So the blue law was adjusted so that now you can buy food and you could buy drink like uh, milk or water, but you could not, well, bottled water was not even a thing, but you could buy what you needed to live on and that was it. And then after that, they begin to decide, well, not only do people need food, but sometimes people somehow on Sunday morning find themselves naked needing clothing. So let's open clothing stores too. So the naked people would go to clothing stores on Sunday because that was the only day they could get clothes. And they would suddenly, the clothing stores begin to open. And then they found, well, now that they're clothed and that they're warm, well, what damage does it do to open up some of those vile things let's let's just change the law a little bit and we'll let them have cigarettes but no one's getting drunk on Sunday so people started getting their cigarettes and they could go so now it was no longer a hurry and a rush the cigarette sales did not spike on Saturday and then end on Sunday now it was spread out over every day of the week and then as time changed shortly after that suddenly again like when I first 
When I turned 18 years old, the drinking age was 18. When I turned 19, it changed to 19. When I turned 21, it changed to 21. I fell perfectly in line. So I was able to drink all the way up until I got saved. At 21, I stopped drinking. But, but 18 and 19, it was perfect. Everything fell in line with me. And Yahweh, I thought, did that for Steve. But, but things begin to change. Things begin to change, and as you can see over time, many of you understand this depending on which state you're from, and I don't know what other states might have had this thing called the blue law or something similar to it, whatever they called it. But even then, I remember you would not see a, no one would ever dare to insult a believer, even in 1985. No one would even dare get on television and insult Christians. Because there was this sense that there was an army of people that would gather together and they were doing good. And you don't bite the hand that is feeding so many. Then it began to change. And slowly but surely you begin to see things that begin to take their a little bit of a liberty and it began to increase with television shows that were brought and handed to us as comics so that we would see it as a joke. But they, those comics begin to suggest things that planted seed in the minds and the hearts of people and even those shows that were no longer comic begin to take liberties with the same insults of Christians that all began with something called the Simpsons. What started as a comic became something that became very anti-Christ. Never has there been a cartoon more anti-Christ than the Simpsons. If you watch it, I can't even imagine why you would. But it, this began a change, and, and, you, and, and it wasn't a change that, actually, let me say it differently. It didn't begin there. That's where I recognize the beginning because that was my beginning with Christ. But for those of you that have been a believer for even longer than that, there are changes you are aware of that happened even long before July the 8th of 1985. And again, coming to the present, we live in an age now that is desperately trying. They're unafraid. They are blatantly doing everything they can to eliminate anything of heavenly origin or purpose. They're blatantly, society is blatantly, if you are a Christian, it has become, there was a time you were proud to say, I'm a believer. There was a time that Christians were proud they would stand tall. Now Christians shamefully are finding places to hide. They don't even want to let people know at the water cooler at work that they went to church on Sunday. Because of what they might hear, what others might say about them. Christians are the joke in media and our culture today. These things have changed and it's, it's pro, it has progressed over time. And it's continuing to progress. In fact, anyone claiming, this is a big one, anyone claiming to hear the voice of God or who might suggest that their choices or the choices they make are in honor of His Son who was sent, died, and rose again, they're assailed. To suggest that God speaks is an invitation for someone to dial 911 and call the men with white coats. 
to come and strap you down. This person says they hear. In fact, we were watching a Hallmark show, of all things, a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I watch all the Hallmark. Well, not all anymore. There's some we won't watch. But used to watch all the Hallmark shows while they were family-friendly. They're not so much that now. But we would watch them all at a time and in a few a few weeks ago we were watching and they begin to say something and and begin to speak of something and one of the jokes in there was one of the people said something to someone who claimed to be a Christian in the show about Christmas and they said something to them to the effect of I'm paraphrasing it but basically they were mocking them because he said God spoke to me he spoke to me And they begin to mock that person. Oh, you hear voices? And that became the joke, albeit for a couple of minutes, not even that, maybe 30 seconds in the show. But it was an introduction to Hallmark to be able to attack what believers believe. And if there's anybody that questions in this room or watching online whether or not Steve Parker can hear the voice of God, I do. I hear his voice and I'm unashamed of it. I don't hear an audible voice, I don't hear God's voice like I hear your voice, but He speaks to me in my heart and in my spirit and in my unctions. He speaks to me through those things that I feel compelled to do. I know that that compelling is the voice of God pointing me in a particular direction. I don't know that I've ever heard His audible voice. If I did, I think I would remember it. I don't remember hearing this deep voice or this sweet voice or in, the, in a storm or whatever it might be. I simply recall the unctions that I receive from Him on a regular basis. But Christians are now becoming that joke in media and culture and anyone claiming to be in relationship with a God that you cannot see. You, be, you are now the assailed one. You are the one that is out of place. Get this person off the street. Close their mouth because they're creepy. You, me, we've become those who so many run from. This is going somewhere. Don't be depressed yet. I'm about to encourage. Don't be depressed at all. I'm going to encourage you. But a generation is rising up who are embarrassed to even speak of a relationship with God. And yet, yet... Yet, this is the kind of God we serve. In the middle of all of that, in the middle of a concerted attempt, and it's not even an attempt, in the middle of a concerted, it's not an effort, in the middle of a concerted, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, drive a people who are driven in the middle of this concerted drive to stamp out Christianity and believers and to mock our faith in the middle of that while we're being assailed and the assailer is continually continually trying to discredit what you believe in God is still available to both the assailed and the assailant as much as ever before In the middle of all of that, the Father does not look at those who created the Simpsons to mock Him. God does not look at those who created these shows that mock Him. God does not look at those who you might meet in your workplace who are trying to find a way, who make you the joke of the workplace. God is not looking at any of those people and saying to them, I'm going, man, I'm I'm about to crush them. He's not interested in crushing anybody. He's looking for a way for you to be a voice to the assailer. 
He wants you to become a voice to the assailant. He wants you to become a voice to the one who is trying to close your mouth. But he doesn't want you to become the kind of voice that gives them something else to rise up against. He wants you to become the kind of voice that looks more like a demonstration. He wants your life and he wants your demonstration to speak for itself. Not our argument. Not our placards on the wall. Not the little... We were in uh, an airport in Dallas a couple of weeks ago and, and we had to use the men's room at the airport in Dallas and, and Sam came out and, and he said, did you see all those little tracks that were lined up on the urinals? And, uh, and I said, no, I didn't notice. Were they tracks or just torn pieces of paper where it would say, you need Jesus, or Jesus saves, or all of this torn pieces of paper laying up on the urinal. The last thing anybody's thinking about when they're trying to go to the bathroom is whether or not they need Jesus. I mean, they're there for a reason, and it isn't to get Jesus. But there are all these little pieces of paper, and I, and I just want to say... For you and for me, where we are today, there's, there's a calling to us. But see, the reason, it isn't the world's fault that they find reason, Chris, to attack the church. It isn't the world's fault that they find reason. It isn't their fault. We look to them and we say, how dare you? How dare you do this? Yet, if we consider just for a moment that maybe it's what we're doing, that gives them reason to mock us and to laugh at us. Maybe it's because we're a lot of talk, but not a lot of action. Maybe it's because we say a lot, but we don't do a lot. Maybe it's because we say, let's clothe the naked, and yet, then we drive right by the naked one. Maybe it's because we say, let's feed the hungry, and then we fill our cabinets, but don't have enough left over to put a can in the box. Is anybody hearing me today? You know, there's a reason why churches are tax-exempt called 501c3s. And the original purpose in the government giving churches a, what's called a 501c3 designation, it's called a non-profit. And the reason that it was originally given to churches is because the hope was that churches would do what they preached. And that is that for all of the homeless, for all of the hungry, for all of the naked, rather than them, the government looked at it and decided, rather than those people, depending on the, church, depending on the government, to provide for all their needs, let's give an opportunity for the church to do what the church believes and be need meters. So what we're going to do is we're going to not charge churches taxes, for their property. I'll give you an example. The taxes on our property here would be about 20 grand a year. But we don't pay that, but our neighbor does. The guy right next door has the same amount of property we do. He pays about $20,000 a year in property taxes. We pay nothing. Is that fair? Depends on what you do with it. 
So the government originally, they made, us, made churches nonprofit because their hope was, well, let's see what you will do with this. If we are saving you, in this instance, $20,000 a year, will you take $20,000 a year and will you sow it into the community and feed the hungry and clothe the naked? Because everyone that you feed, everyone that you clothe is one less that's coming to us to look for unemployment or whatever it might be. Does that make sense? This is how it began. Why am I saying all this? Because I'm getting somewhere this morning. I want to challenge you and me to something today. This church is, I mean, it's very giving. For the amount of income that we have that comes into this house, we are a very giving church. Your faithfulness allows us to be a giving people. We are giving. We do feed the hungry. We do clothe the naked. We do whatever, you name it, we do that. We find ways to sow into our community. We find ways to sow into places around the world. We do that. We are very generous in our missions and our benevolence. Very generous. In fact, we've been so generous before it has actually come back and hurt us. There have been years that we have given so much when it came time to pay the bill, the rent, we were unable to do it. It's true. It's true. Because when the need came to us, we could not say no. That's not wise either. But I'm going to ask these three questions today going back to Matthew chapter 7. Is, and I want to say this. I want to ask these three questions. What does ask mean? What does seek mean? What does not mean? Ask, what are you asking for? Seek, what are you seeking? And knock, where are you knocking? I want to challenge us this morning. And I want to remind you as I ask these things and as I bring up these things, I want to remind you this morning that the Father loves the one who mocks us as much as He loves the one being mocked. The Father doesn't draw lines like you and I. He doesn't do it the way that we do it. He does not see things that we... If there is a heart beating, He sees that heart as opportunity. He's not looking to try to sort out what the heart's doing. If the heart is beating, as long as it's beating, there is still opportunity for God to be God to them. I want to ask three things. Ask, what are you asking for? I want you to do this this morning, just for a moment. I want you to consider the things that you request on a regular basis from the Father. Just take a moment. I want you to think to yourself, what's, and let's make it simple, what's the last thing you ask the Father for? What's the last thing? And when you think about what the last thing was you asked the Father for, let me ask you this question. Did that request, or if He granted that request, would it build up the kingdom His kingdom, or would it build or tear down? Would your request build you up and tear someone else down? Or would it build someone else up and not tear anything down at all? Consider the things, consider the last thing you requested of the Father. He said, ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. I'm saying to you watching online... He said, ask and you shall receive. What's the last thing you asked the Father for? When you think of what the last thing was that you asked the Father for, did that thing, if He had granted that, if you receive what you ask for, what does it build up? And what does it tear down? The second thing He said, He said, seek and you will find. What are you seeking? Are you in pursuit of Yahweh and a life that is full of Christ? Are you, or are you simply seeking what you believe will be best for you. 
Am I looking for those things? Am I seeking those things that will demonstrate that Christ really is alive and He's not worthy of being mocked? He's not worthy of that. Am I seeking those things that will help me to understand and to know better how to... Am I seeking that kind of relationship with a father that will draw me closer to him and I become a real son? Not a hoped for son. He said, knock and the door will be open to you. And I ask you this morning, where are you knocking? And let me say this to you today. Some doors aren't meant to be open. I think about because of where I'm at, Kim and I, we, we I don't know, how do I say it? Um, let me just say it this way. I'm aware of a lot of things, a lot of choices that a lot of people make. Sometimes that's wonderful. Sometimes I wish I wasn't aware of some of the choices that people made. Sometimes I wish, man, I'd been better off if I hadn't known that. Because some choices I see and hear that people make, it, it, I, I, it disappoints me in such a way that it takes me some time to get over it. Things that I expect of people, suddenly um, someone who has said the right things, but suddenly a choice is made, not suddenly, but numerous choices, a, a pattern of choices are made that says, boy, there is a lot of talking, but not much living. And when I see these things, I realize that it's for a lack of asking, a lack of seeking, a lack of knocking. Not asking for the right things, not seeking for the right things, not knocking on the right doors. And I can tell you as believers, when we came to know Christ, and I know that in this room there might be some that do not know Christ, you don't have a relationship with Him. I know that the same may, may be true of you that are watching online today. But let me tell you about what, the, what, what life with Christ is really meant to be. It is not about, and for those of you that know me, you know you've heard me say this before. It isn't about getting all the rules right. It isn't about reading all the right scriptures every single day or enough of them. It isn't about making sure that you prayed for an hour this morning before you got, left your house. Life with Christ is about what am I doing to ask? What am I asking Him for? What am I seeking Him for? What doors am I knocking on? that build the kingdom of God. A relationship with Christ is the most unselfish thing that you and I can do, and yet the most selfish at the same time. It's very God-like. The most selfish thing that God could have ever done was give His Son. And the most giving thing that God could have ever done was give His Son. He gave Him, why? So that the world could be redeemed back to Him. He had an ulterior motive I want them to worship me. But the lamb's not working. The ram's not working. The dove's not working. All of these things aren't compatible with restoring them back into a proper relationship with me. What can I do, the Father said, what can I do to bring mankind back into a proper relationship with me? What I can do is I can send my Son. He is my only Son, but I'm going to send my Son. And if I send Him, He will live among them. He will die in front of them. And He will rise while they watch. And by doing so, Maybe not everybody, but somebody 
is going to come back to me with the right relationship. So the father was a giver. But the father also gave because he wanted something in return. When he called you and me, the asking and the seeking and the knocking that he wants us to do is to do it in such a way that it honors him. In going back to some of the patterns that I've witnessed and I've seen and I'm talking to people that are a part of this house, if I'm saying this, it's because I've seen. I want you to listen to me today. I'm talking to every generation in this place today. The younger generation, the older generation, the middle generation, those who fall in between the middle, the middle middles. I'm talking to every generation. None of us are going to do everything right Every single day, in the sense that every decision is going to be the right one. But all of us can do everything right every single day in the sense that my heart is to know Him. Did what I said make sense? But as I see patterns and I challenge every generation in here this morning, Consider what you're asking Him for. And consider if you're asking for anything at all. Consider what you are seeking and consider are you seeking anything at all. If I'm not asking and I'm not seeking, how can I know what the Father really wants for me? And you know what happens when we're not asking and we're not seeking? We find ourselves doing what Adam naturally does, and that is to find himself in a place that does not honor God. Find himself making choices that does not honor God. I think about, and this is more for the younger generation, don't mess with the sound, guys. It was perfect before something happened to it. I think about sometimes what happens with this generation and and especially the younger generation that things that have become acceptable to them. That in my mind when I hear them speak it or say it, even the word sucks. That is so flippantly put out there. The connotation of that is the most disgusting despicable thing that we can do and yet it's a word used so frequently. The word pissed. What does that do for our culture? What does that do for people that are around us? And you're saying, how can you say that from the pulpit? Why wouldn't I? I want to teach this morning. I want to teach our children. I want to teach our teens. I want to teach our mamas and our daddies and, and everybody that's a part. I want to teach us. Consider what are we asking for in the lack of asking, in the lack of seeking, and in the lack of knocking. I'm going to tell you we're going to find ourselves in a place where Adam dwells, but God does not. We'll find ourselves under a tree eating a fruit that was meant to look at but not chew on. But we will not find ourselves under a tree recognizing if God can do this, what more can He do? If He can provide something He says, don't eat of this, then I know He will provide something that I can feast upon. 
Do you hear me today? So what are you asking for? What are you seeking? And where are you knocking? The earth is looking for a people that really, really, Tom, make a difference. Make a difference because when we go about our business during the day, and I challenge again every generation in here today, I see Instagram posts. I'm just be, can I be real this morning? I see Instagram posts. I see Facebook posts. I've even seen a few TikToks, and I'm not even a TikToker. I've seen things, and I think to myself, in what world does that honor who you are? In what world does that honor your mama or your daddy? And let's go a step further. In what world does that honor your father, heavenly father? Is it really worth it to participate in that for an hour or hour and a half? Knowing that so many people are going to see it and know that you did that and you've lost years, years of influence for the kingdom. Over an hour and a half. Over a few moments decisions that took you somewhere where suddenly all those that you had influenced for so long and been a testimony to for so long are looking at that and saying, oh, they're just like me after all. But see, it doesn't matter what generation we're a part of. It doesn't matter how old or how young we are. Where there is a lack of asking and seeking and knocking. And all that relates to, if I put all that into one word, it's relationship. Where there is a lack of relationship, searching the heart of the Father, we're always going to find ourselves where Adam would be. Sitting under a tree wanting what was never meant for him. Eating of something that was never given to him. Does anybody hear me in this place this morning? I want to awaken us because we're about to enter into another year. And I'm not asking you to make a New Year's resolution. I'm asking you to make a life one. I'm not asking anyone in this room or watching online today or those that might hear it later. I'm not asking you today to do something that will last for a week. I'm asking you to set your heart to do something that will change your entire life and every single person who knows you. Because the Christ that was sent was sent to change all of us, not one of us. Not, he was not sent to change us today. And then we'll do it on our own tomorrow. Hmm. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it reads like this. James 1, verse 27. I don't know, did I put that in there? Turn with me, if you would, please, to James 1, verse 27. It says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I want to read this again and I'm going to insert a couple of Greek words in there that will help you understand what these words mean. But my heart and soul, uh, let me just say it this way. In this hand, I am the most anti-religious person that I know. In this hand, I hate religion. In this hand, I want to be more religious than all. How do I reconcile that? 
In this hand, I hate what religion has become. In its original intent, religion was what James 1.27 says. So in this hand, I despise what religion has become. All rules and no life. A lot of living and dying. I mean, a lot of dying, but no living. In this hand, true religion is a lot of living and preventing others from dying. Let me read this again and let me insert a couple of Greek words. James 1.27 Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. I love that this encapsulates all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation in one sentence. All of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is captured in one sentence. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That Greek word for affliction is thlipsis, means without options. To visit orphans and widows that have no other option without you. You were sent recognizing who you've been sent to. And to keep oneself unstained, and the Greek word for unstained is aspelos, meaning fully acceptable. To keep oneself fully acceptable in God from the world. It's an interesting statement. So again, on this hand, I want to be, and I am, the most anti-religious person. I despise religion. I despise, for lack of a better way to say it, organized religion. Because religion cannot be organized because demographically it's different for every community. Because the orphans and the widows look different in Orlando than they do in Houston, Texas. Or in Baltimore, Maryland. Or wherever it might be. The only organization I want in religion is that there is one purpose. And that one purpose is to honor the Father and to seek and to save those who are lost. The orphan, the widow, the outcast, the vagabond. What do I do to reach them? Think about this. The energy, Dakari, that we put into these things when we're not asking, when we're not seeking, when we're not knocking on the right doors, when we're not saying, Father, why did you get me up this morning? Why did you tell the sun to rise so that I would wake up? Why did you... Alert me today that I have another opportunity to do something. I'm asking today. I want to be prepared when the opportunity is before me that I will enter the right door. But when I get up in the morning and I don't acknowledge and I don't recognize that this day was one more that was given to me by the Father, when I recognize or I assume or I think, you know, this is what happens. You know, when you're a human being and you're born, you live and you die and you get up every morning, you eat breakfast, you brush your teeth, and it just becomes a routine thing and it's an all-natural thought. There's no purpose in it. But when you get up every day and you recognize God made me, 
when I get up every day and I recognize Christ is in me, when I get up every day and I recognize and I believe and I consider the fact that God woke me up today to do something that will honor Him. And I recognize that, I, I begin to look around me. And I begin to peer into the places that are around me. I begin to peer into those places I find myself when I drive my car to the supermarket, wherever I'm going. I begin to peer into those places and I begin to look into those places and I begin to find, where's religion? Where can I be religious? Where can I be religious? Not religion that leads to death, but where can I be religious that leads to life? I look this year, I'm going to wrap it up. But I look this year and I want to point something out to all of us and give opportunity this morning. But I recall, you know, I can't help, and we do some things at Christmas that are traditions to my family. And every year I write a poem uh, to my family, have for years since the kids were itty bitty. And every year we have scavenger hunts and they have to search for a gift, you know, that we gave them and make it a big deal. Christmas for us is an event. You don't get up in the morning and it's over in an hour. It's like an event. And you're all over the place. In fact, this year, part of the event, I had to drive somewhere to figure out what was... Anyway, it's an event. It's not under the tree. Christmas isn't under the tree. Christmas isn't wrapped in pretty paper. Christmas doesn't have a pretty bow. It's an event. It's a recognition. It's a seeing. It's an understanding. It's a lot bigger than something lit up in the corner of this room. And as I begin to consider again this year, as my wife and I do every year, we begin to consider all that Yahweh has done in our lives. And this year we begin to reflect on one daughter married, another daughter engaged, and just the different things and, and uh, all that's going on in my, all my children's lives. The blessing of God, blessing of Yahweh in their life, each of them. And we begin to reflect on that. We begin to look at that. And, and I considered, as I was sitting there one day, and I just began to consider, Kim and I, again, I don't know how to say this except for just say it. My wife and I, we're givers. We give away. In fact, there's not many people in this house that we have not one way or another sown into your life. One way or another. Whether it's food or clothing or finance or whatever you might have needed. When we saw a need, and we were aware of it, or Holy Spirit made us aware of it, we would meet that need. If we were capable of meeting that need, we have met, there's not many people in this house or that have been through this house that we have not impacted one way or another out of the blessing that has come to us. And yet, as I reflected on this year and I reflected on all that was going on, Holy Spirit awoken me again. And in the middle of everything that's happening, I kept going back to the scripture about the man who had plenty and he filled his barn or silo was really the word but we call it barn but he filled his barn and he filled it so full that the anointing came to him and spoke to him and said listen I'm paraphrasing Listen, you have loaded this thing up. But when 
here's the bad news. Tomorrow you're not going to wake up. Whose will these things be? Your focus has been on the plenty. Making sure you fill your barn to overflowing. But tomorrow your soul will be required of you. And then whose will these things be? The anointing that came to him and said that had nothing to do with shame on you for having a full barn. It had everything to do with having a full barn and not seeing the widow and the orphan or the hungry or the naked or the dying on the side of the street. You hearing me today? And a full barn looks very different in every single person's life. The person seated beside you, their barn may be bigger. They may have been able to build a bigger barn and they may have filled it with other stuff, more stuff, whatever you want to call it in the natural. Yours might not, but you, you have barns. Every man, every woman, you have a barn. You have a reservoir. And you might think in your mind, I, I don't have a reservoir. I, I, you don't, I'm telling you, I don't have, I've been robbing from the neighbor's barn. They, thought, they think they have more than they do. I went over last night and I got about two cups of something. But I was ref, reflecting, and I want, again, I'm wrapping this up. But I was sharing with my kids what it looked like before, right before my wife and I got married even going back all the way to my childhood right before Kim and I were married what it looked like then and what it looks like now and all I can think about is that one of the things that I believe is and again I don't want to sound like this I don't want this to sound religious unto death. I want you to hear religion of life in this. In this regard, I want to be the most religious of all. And that is, I believe, that our barn has increased because we have always been aware of the widow and the orphan. We have never allowed ourselves to look past anyone that we knew had need. If we were capable when I say we're, it sounds past tense, but if we're capable of meeting a need, not in futility, but because we have asked, we have sought after, and we've knocked on the right door, we've said, Father, show us where the need is. When we got up this morning, you got me up today because you want me to demonstrate people need to see what relationship with you is about and I'm happy to show them anonymously or otherwise I'm happy to show them but I challenged our family this year my kids and my wife and my new kids I challenged all of them this year and I read my poem and then I said to them I said as we move into this year I want you to consider what the Father has given you. They're all independent now. They all do their own thing. They make their own money. They buy their own things. Mostly. (laughs) 
So they can do what they want. They can hoard it in a barn. They can hide it in a hole. They can do what they want. But pure and undefiled religion is seeing the widow and the orphan. It's seeing the imprisoned one. And I want this year, and I'm challenging you the same as I challenge my family because you are my family. I want you to ask and I want you to seek and I want you to knock on your relationship with God every single day. And when He makes you aware of a need that is around you, if He makes you aware of it, He's likely made it possible for you to meet that need. I'm going to say it like this. So away from yourself. Let this be the year that you give so much away from yourself. Not unto your own destruction, but unto life. Look around you and give away from yourself. There are needs everywhere. There are people and it's complicated. When you begin to try to sort it all out, it's complicated. You know, I've said before, you know, this, when it's the same people that are always having the same need over and over and again, that's because they're stupid. That's not a good word. It's probably not a good word. But it's because if you, the true definition of stupid is fitting. But what it's become in the mind of man is totally different. It's because they keep making the same choices over and over again. And the Father's not going to reward that. Don't you reward it. But not everybody does that. Not everybody loves suffering. But those who are suffering, and we're capable, let's meet that need. This is who we are. True religion. Where's the widow? Where's the orphan? And you are so giving. You are so giving. These boxes out here, full and overflowing, I don't even know how many times they were filled to overflowing and been delivered to these places. That's what we do in here. What are you going to do out there? Now let me tell you something else. Be careful that we don't be the religion unto death that's only looking for the believer to sow into. That means what if you become the voice of God to somebody who doesn't even believe in God? What if he puts you in a position to suddenly buy groceries for the guy that says, I don't care what you buy me, I'm never going to serve your God. And that might be the exact guy that the Father sent you to to put back groceries in his hand. Most people don't believe in God because they've never encountered God, but that bag of groceries might be the only God they've ever met. That payment of an electric bill, whatever it might be. I said this was going to be short. It's not. If you don't know that yet. But I want you to look around you and I want you to ask yourself, what do I see? 
let the anointing of Christ in you create a desire and a passion in you to sow into the needs around you. To whatever extent your barns are full, one may not be able to do as much as another. But let the giving of Christ, that Spirit of Christ, that Spirit of the Father that gave Christ, make sure that is evident in you. Don't try to legalize the things that I'm saying today by saying, "Mm, I'm not giving to anybody else that believes in Jesus. I'm only going to give to people who don't. Don't try to legalize in black and white print what I've said today. Hear the spirit of what I'm saying and that is find in you the spirit of Christ that exists in you to meet the needs that are around you as you are able and you are capable. And don't do this. Don't look at the tree and say the fruit looks good, therefore I'm going to go ahead and enjoy the fruit and and not allow it to produce something. See, when he ate that fruit, he took away the ability for that fruit. We talked about this. I taught a whole service on it. But when he ate the fruit, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, the seeds were destroyed. It had no more ability to produce after itself. A counterfeit came alive. But when you look around you, don't assume. Don't begin to, in your mind, try to be God. Don't, in your mind, try to say, well, you know, God brought me into this situation, but there's no way that I'm giving to this person because they have so much already. What if they do? What you give to them, again, might be God to them until God becomes God to them. But they've done this and they've done that, and these people, I know where they were last night. What if, what if you do? And what if they were? It's irrelevant. If we are asking and we are seeking and we are knocking, He will give us the right word. He will show us the right person and place. And He will open the right door. Do you hear me today? 2021, Joe Hoffman, is a brand new gift to you and me. What am I going to do with it? And I don't want to go into 21 and I don't want to be able and I don't want to open my eyes and see differently because it's 2021. I want to open my eyes and see differently because it's time. It has nothing to do with the year. It has everything to do with the moment. It's time. Can we do that? If you're watching online today, this is true of you. I don't have any idea why you're watching online. I don't know if you can't get here, you don't have a place to go, you don't have a family you can be a part of, but whatever reason, for whatever reason, you are watching online. There's an orphan and a widow around you. And I'm not talking about just someone who lost a husband or someone who doesn't have parents. I'm talking about an orphan and a widow, one who does not have the Father. They do not have God. They have no relationship with Christ. They might not have a husband or they might not have parents. Also, but look around you because they're there. So away from yourself. So away from yourself. My hope and prayer is that none of our barns are ever so full that we have to build bigger. But there's always a pouring out. There's as much flowing out as there is flowing in. 
That's my hope and prayer. Will you stand with me? I don't know if there's anybody among us this morning in this room or online. I don't know if there's anybody that doesn't know Christ. I don't know if there's anybody that needs to repent of where they've been or what their thoughts were. What I do know is the opportunity is present right now. I'm going to pray for you. If you don't know Christ and you're in this room or you're watching online, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You know who you are. Nobody else needs to know. The Father already knows. You're not hiding from Him. If there's anything that you need to repent of, we don't need to make a spectacle of you. The Father knows. So I'm going to pray for you today. I want Him to become alive to you. in such a way that literally there's a passion that lights up in you. And it matters to you where you're found. It matters to you what you're saying. It matters to you who you're doing what with. It matters. Father, I lift my voice with my eyes open this morning over every man and woman that's in this congregation today. And I lift my voice over those that are watching online today and I pray for every single one, here or afar pray for every man, I pray for every woman, and I pray that in our mind and in our heart, you'll begin to do a work that is supernatural, a work that we couldn't do on our own, but it requires the anointing of God. Calls us today to be a people that wake up, that have a passion to ask, what would you have me do to seek? Where do you want me to be found today? and to knock what doors do you want me to walk through today and when you present that moment to me Father today my prayer is that all of us will honor you with a yes to every answer to every vision and to every door be glorified in this people the world is mocking the church because they don't see the glory in the church anymore May the glory of God rise up within these churches gathered today so that you are honored in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I bless you today. Happy New Year. Make a difference. Make a difference. Amen. Amen.